Oh, man. Uh, so that's, let's see. Oh, Saturday, all the ladies are invited to my house on behalf of my wife. I will not be there. I am not invited. Um, so, uh, but 6 o'clock Saturday, um, we'd love to have you out. We're just going to hang out. Play, I think you can play some games, get to know each other. I think you're supposed to bring a snack. Again, ChristianAssembly.com is all the information. Um, feel free to, to sign up there just so we know how many chairs we need to borrow from the neighbors. Um, that would be helpful. Um, that's right. Or possibly folding chairs from down the hall. Um, that's right. Uh, so there's that, and then uh, I think that's all the major announcements for today. 6 p.m. Yes, don't come at six. Does it say six? Yeah, don't come at six a.m. This is not a this is not a fourteen hour event. <laughs> and uh, I will I will still be in bed at six a.m. So I will not answer the door if you show up then. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, but we look forward to, to having, having you, you, you ladies out for, for that. Um, you're in, in for a treat today. I am, I'm about to walk off the stage. I, I do not have the message today. Uh, Lilia is going to come, and, and she's continuing in our series. Um, Lilia, if you guys uh, have gotten a chance to know her over the last year or so, um, has been a, just a wonderful addition to the staff here. She has been leading our worship department um, part-time for the last three, has it been three years? Wow, three years. Um, but just recently, starting in August, actually, she's accepted a position. She's going to be coming on full-time. Um, so, yeah, that's... It's exciting. So in addition, as if worship is not enough, she's also going to be helping in our uh, helping develop our discipleship and some of our front door hospitality stuff um, and anything else I can sneak on her plate uh, will be good, too, because that's how we roll. Um, but would you just welcome uh, Lilia up for today's message? Man, I just want to start out by saying, like, three years ago, I did not want this job. <laughs> I did not. Like, it was before the pandemic hit. Tammy had left. I was like, I'll fill in. Every week, I was like, Jeremy, how, how's the search going? How's the search? Because I do not want this job. Um, and the Lord is just faithful and allowing us to be, like, Leo and I love this place. Like, we just love this church. It, we had signed on for a year and a half. And then, oh, yeah, Kids. Go. Yeah, kids and middle schoolers. Yes. Okay, kids and middle schoolers, go to your class. Good times. Um, we'd signed on for 18 months, and by the end of that 18 months, we just knew that this was our home. We just knew it. And so we're just grateful and honored and all of the things. So um, last time I got up here, and I got to, yep, yep, sure did. Sure did. I'm super awkward. It's all good. All right, so um, last time I got up here and shared a little bit of my story and my testimony with you so you know what that's about. And today, I actually just get to go through the word with you. Does that sound good? We're in the book of Acts, which is phenomenal. How many of you have been reading the books of Acts at home? Yeah. I will tell you, uh, when, when I knew that we were going to go through the book of Acts, Acts 10 and 11, the Lord has just been speaking consistently to me about that passage over the last few years. So I told Jim, I was like, if you want a message on Acts 10 and 11, I would love to do it. No pressure. You don't have to say yes, like, but just letting you know. And he's like, sure, we can do it. So we're going to get caught up a little bit. Jeremy talked about um, Stephen and Paul's um, conversion last week. So we skipped two stories that are kind of important. So I'm just going to zip through them real quick. Chapter 8 of Acts, Philip is caught up by the Spirit of God and meets a eunuch on the side of the road. He interprets scripture for him, baptizes. Thank you, Mark. You guys know what a hard worker Mark is. Like, he's such a gift to our church. All the things. Anything, Mark is the dude. Thanks, man. Um, he baptizes him and then heads on to Caesarea, which is important in our story. In chapter 9, Peter heals a man who had been paralyzed for eight years and raises a believer named Tabitha Dorcas from the dead, which was a new thing for Peter. He had never really, you know, maybe done that. So verse 42 says, the news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord and Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. So Peter's in Joppa. 
okay? Um, so this brings us to chapter 10, and we're going to read it up here. The sermon I called, I was going to call the sermon, huh, never done that before, but I, I decided not. So I, I, we're going to call it a believer's call to action, because there are a lot of things that people had never done before that we're going to read about in this scripture. So read along with me. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror, I can imagine. Uh, what is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He, was, he is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. So what's interesting is that these two men had been setting aside times in their lives to pray. They'd been setting aside time. So I feel like, you know, as we read the book of Acts, it's actually like action, right? So there's calls to action that I feel like God wants for us to understand from this story. So the first call to action is to be people of prayer. We have to be people of prayer, people who regularly set aside time to not just list our prayer requests to the Lord, but listen, but listen to God and be free to be interrupted. I have like ADD beyond all things. And so sometimes when I go to pray, people start popping into my brain. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I just need to focus. I just need to focus. And I remember one time hearing, actually, maybe what Jesus is doing when people pop into your mind is to have you pray for them. Like, God uses our ADD, amen? Like, he uses it for good, for great things. And so, like, some of you even in here, it's like, I'll just send a text. Like, hey, I, you came to mind. I'm praying for you. You know, but that's something that God does when we are consistently laying down time, setting aside time to pray. Another thing that I do because I'm, I get distracted a lot is I set alarms in my phone to pray for people. There are people in here that I have set three times a week, four times a week that I pray for. I have a specific time that I pray for the worship team every week that I'm praying for people. It's, it's discipline, right? And it's setting aside intentional time that we know we are lifting our request to the Lord, but also to listen, to listen. And me, for me, again, you know, I get distracted by a lot of things. So sometimes in my car, I just use my car as my silent prayer time. And I just listen. I just listen to the Lord. What, what do you want to tell me today? Here I am. I'm going on my way. I need a little bit of the distraction of the driving to focus sometimes. And I just listen, and the things that the Lord speaks. Sometimes I get out my phone app, my voice memo, and I'll say something or, you know, but it's intentional. They're rhythms and practices of our lives. So that's the first thing I feel like this story is telling us. Both men set aside intentional time to listen to the Lord. So it goes on. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell, Peter fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I'll, I'll be honest. I was looking up artwork to dis like for this story, and they were like, dogs in the sheet and ran and I'm like I'm not gonna put that picture up there but you know who knows what kind of unclean animals were next to the clean animals right we don't we don't know but Peter says no I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean but the voice spoke again do not call something unclean if God has made it clean the same vision was repeated three times right Peter we know his M.O. is he needs Jesus three times to say something, to speak something, right? Three times. And the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? 
Now, here's the deal. I think you guys know this, that the Jewish people lived by very strict dietary laws, right? They were important not only as religious practices, but as cultural markings for people who are constantly in exile or living in occupied countries and in danger of having their identity erased. Far from being legalism, these God-given laws had functioned for centuries as a way for Hebrew and Israelite people to understand themselves in relation to the rest of the world, right? We do these things. We don't do these things. That's very clear, very understandable, right? Now, what's interesting, like my family, my grandma is Filipino. And as I learned about our Filipino heritage and even the ways that Filipinos are viewed in Asia, like it affected the way that I saw myself in relation to the world. I knew that I wasn't just straight up white bread. You know what I mean? Like I knew that I had a quarter brown in me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that did affect how I viewed myself, right? When I lived in Kenya, I bounced between the Luo and the Maasai tribes, two tribes with very distinct customs and stories with how they view themselves in relation to the other tribes in Kenya. Since coming to this church, I've gotten to know our dear Nigerian friends. And I even told Esther this one time, like, I honestly did not know much about Nigeria. I did not know much. But all of a sudden, as I get to know Esther and Princess and, um, and Elizabeth and Eunice, all of a sudden, I'm encountering writing from Nigerian theologians in seminary, listening to Nigerian authors as invitations on podcasts, and Nigeria keeps coming up. It's so cool. And I'm learning that Nigerians have a very rich distinct history in the world and in the story of Christianity and have a way they view themselves in relation to the world. How many of you know that you see yourself in a different way because you, ha- you know that you have a cultural identity, right? How many of us know this? Yes? Yeah, we, yeah, we should know this. But as Christians, what's interesting is we should see ourselves as foreigners and aliens in this world, Outside of our own cultural identities, there is something that God has called us to as Christians to see ourselves unique, set apart, distinct. There is a culture, right? And so one would assume that in this vision, God is saying, Peter, you can eat anything that's on the sheet. It's all open for you, right? But some people have a hard time with that because they look at the Old Testament laws and they say, wait, (laughs) there's some things that, yes, are under the new covenant and the old covenant, but this... Let, let's look at the Greek. Let's look at the Greek. And I love Greek. I study, I'm studying Greek, and it's really, really cool. Um, not just to be a floo-foo, but I just, you know, I think it's really cool. So just, you know, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, prophets were silent, right? There was no prophetic word. And so people started translating the Torah in ways to try to keep it access, like easier t- for them to obey all the laws. What they did was they made a lot more laws, <laughs> Which sounds crazy because there's like 638 laws that they had in the Old Testament that they needed to like fulfill. But they're like, how about we add this? You know, like this is the edge of the stage, right? This is obviously I'm not going to come off the stage. So I'm going to stay back here to make sure that I don't step off the edge. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what they did. They made all these laws and all of these things. And these cultures started progressing to say we need to follow this. And sometimes they lost sight of what happened. So let's take a look. This is really, really cool. Um, But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common, which is koinos, or unclean, a cathartos. And the voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now here was the law that they had made for themselves that wasn't in the Torah, okay? Koinos refers to situations not covered in the law of God, in which something clean comes into contact with something unclean, rendering the clean thing defiled or unacceptable. The Pharisees viewed these previously clean things as now being common. They came up with that word, common, to distinguish between clean and unclean. Do you, do you hear, are you following me? This is really cool. So in a sentence, the difference between koinos and akathartos, common and unclean, is that koinos connotes the Pharisaic belief based in tradition that a clean thing can be made common through contact, whereas akathartos, unclean, connotes that which God has declared to be unclean. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, like, you picture this sheet, 
right? All these different kinds of animals coming down in this thing, clean, unclean. It doesn't really distinguish, but it just says all kinds of animals, right? And they're all like, have you ever played in a sheet with like a kid, you know, and the sheet, like people are pulling up the sheet or maybe let's try this water balloon volleyball. Has anybody ever played water balloon volleyball where you have two sheets on either side of the volleyball net and the water balloon, what sinks into the, to the middle, So can you imagine all these animals? It's not just like, oh, we're on a lovely sheet. It's like they're all smashed up against each other in the middle of this sheet. Clean things touching unclean things. Right? And so what God, what Peter says, I haven't even touched common things. Like, dude, they're all touching. Like, I can't, I can't get it. What? It's not just about eating the unclean animals. It's actually this whole idea that, like, what is, what clean and unclean doesn't make something common. Isn't that powerful? And that just sets up the whole thing for the whole rest of the chapter. And we have that in mind because the Jews had very strict laws about even coming into contact with Gentiles. It stopped them from coming into contact with Gentiles because they didn't want to be common. But that is not what God had told them. (laughs) Coming into contact with unclean things doesn't make you unclean. In this sense, in this food sense, there were some things that, yes, but in this sense, with people's sense, it didn't mean that. So our second call to action, you guys, is to allow God to reorient us to his truth, to God's truth. Because when we start judging things based on our man-made, our things that make us comfortable, our things that make us feel safe and secure, sometimes we miss it. When I was a missionary in Colombia, I, I discipled a group of 12 kids. And um, Colombians have incredible hair. Like, it's just, like, if you've seen my husband, he has incredible hair. You know, Colombians have beautiful hair. And we, I would take this group of high school kids, and we would go work with kids on the streets. And these kids were filthy, to be totally honest. They were filthy. Many of them had lice. Many of them had issues. And I noticed my girls not really wanting to, like, embrace these kids sometimes. And I saw the look in their eyes. They're like, there's lice. They're dirty. I don't know. And Columbia is just really, in general, like to be clean. Um, and so we had a competition, <laughs> which is going to sound awful to some of you in here, but we had a competition every year to see who could get lice the most. <laughs> because we had to get over it. We had to get over it. Those kids needed love. Those kids needed hugs. Those kids needed people who were willing to get close to them, who were willing to get lice. I mean, I bought them all lice combs, and it was like a thing. We'd get back in the car and, like, gross. I know, whatever. There are ways to get over with lice. But we did it because I didn't want there to be a stigma. Sometimes we're so afraid of getting close to people that we have deemed unclean. Right? When I would go downtown with these kids, sometimes the parents would be like, what if my kid sees a homeless person? And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, welcome to my neighborhood, you know? But, you know, what if, what if my kid sees, a, you know, a, a prostitute? Like, really? What if your kid sees that? So we had to have conversations. Like, we are all made in God's image. We are all made in God's image. But what happens is the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he keeps us down with lies, and he fills our lives with filth, and he's just a jerk, And if we don't go, if we're not willing to go, then what? And these kids, we had these conversations all the time in the car. I would point it out (laughs) as we were driving. I wouldn't try to shield their eyes from anything. I'm like, look, look, you guys, this is a person who needs Jesus. This is a person who needs Jesus. We have to be willing to be in proximity with people that we originally would think would make us common or devalue. What is that? devalue our worth, like nothing can do that, right? There are ministries in this city that go out at night and hand out care packages to prostitutes. Did you know that? It's so incredible. And they go and they pray for women and they give them things that they need. They're not afraid to be up at three in the morning driving around and giving out things. They're willing to be common. There's no such thing as common. Anyway, so we have to be reoriented to God's truth. Peter had to see that instead of holding his culture as the standard for his life, 
and holding himself back from engaging with the Gentiles, in essence, making himself common. That God was inviting him into a new, inclusive culture, a new way of seeing oneself in relation to the rest of the world, free to interact, free to eat with, free to pray with, and free to call Gentiles brothers and sisters. Amen? Oof. Let's go on. Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. <laughs> so not, it's not just enough that, like, I'm telling you this thing, it's actually now. Like, you actually now, right now, need to put it into practice. Woo! Sometimes we, we like a little bit of lead up, right? Like, give me a minute to pray on it, Jesus. Give me, give me a month to pray on it, you know? Give me, I need to fast first, you know? Anyway, um, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? And they said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. What's interesting, I think, I noticed that little part. You understand that, like, the Jews were under Roman occupation, right? So it might have been common for a Roman soldier to, like, demand things from the Jews. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we read about that even in, the, in, in Jesus' talk in the Beatitudes. Like, sometimes the Romans would just demand things. <laughs> and so it wasn't necessarily an issue that, that the Romans spent the night in Peter's house. The issue came when Peter went into their house later on, but we'll get there. Um, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. So I was curious about this. The following day, what does that mean? So there's actually a map. These are actually cities that exist even today. So there's a map, and I looked it up. Google says it'll take about 12 hours to walk from Joppa all the way up to Caesarea. And it looks like a really nice, nice thing. When I zoomed in, there were like cafes and stuff. I doubt those existed back then. But, you know, 12 hours of these Jews and Gentiles walking on the road together. Like in a group, you know, Peter had his people Cornelius had his people, and they're walking. I just imagine, like, what, what do they talk about, <laughs> right? All of a sudden, Peter has to do this, right? Not just, like, greet these people, let them say, but you're actually going to walk 12 hours. You're going to have to eat together. You're going to do bathroom breaks together. You're going to, you know, talk. It's so interesting. And so what I feel like this is, like, our third call to action is to intentionally spend time with the people that God puts in our path. we got to make time for it. Where do you work? Are there people at your work that God is asking you to actually intentionally spend time with outside of work? Are there people in your family that God is highlighting to you that you actually need to spend time with? How about your neighbors? Instead of just waiting for people to go walk their dog and you're just like, okay, I'll talk to them when they walk their dog. Like, are we being intentional? Right? So we're going to keep going. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. <laughs> so they talked together and then went inside where many others were. Ascended. I, I feel Peter's hesitation a little bit. <laughs> so, okay, we walk. These 12, like, we're outside. Cool, we're outside. We're, we're walking. I'm walking this walk. Jesus, outside. Thank you. Still kind of in my comfort zone. Not really, but, you know, still. Yep. And then he talks to Cornelius. And then he's like, I got to go inside. <laughs> right? And this is what Peter says to them. Peter told them, you know it is against our laws. <laughs> For a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent me. Isn't that cool? God showed me this. My mind had to change. My, my orthodoxy, the way I think about things had to change. And so I changed. Beautiful. Next one, Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. 
He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. (laughs) Now I don't remember the Lord in the vision saying, hey, Peter, I want you to say this and this and this and this and this. He just said, go, right? And so Peter had to be willing to go. And then all of a sudden, they're like, all right, tell us your message. What do you have for us? They had expectancy. They knew a little bit of God. They'd been giving. They'd been praying. They'd been devout. But they knew that there was more. We sang about that this morning. They knew that there was something more. God revealed that there was something more, a new message that they needed. Man. So they waited. They were all gathered waiting. Then Peter said, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. There are like so many sermons in this little passage here, but we're just going to keep going. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. How many of us know that Jesus is peace? There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. We know this, but how many people in the world are looking for like a counterfeit peace? It doesn't come through Jesus. They're trying to make themselves all safe and secure and peaceful. And it's not working because they don't have Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? And Peter went. Now this is what's really cool. He points out what they know. Because Jesus had been in Caesarea. Philip had been in Caesarea. The word of God had gone into Caesarea. Like there there was practice. Like they knew some things. So he starts with what they know. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Here's the deal, friends. If God has you in a place with people who don't know Jesus yet, it's because God is already working to till the ground. Do you hear me? God is already working. Something that, that kind of bothered me sometimes when, when missions groups would come down to Columbia, they're like, we're going to bring Jesus. And I'm like, what do you all think you got to bring him for? He's here. Like, he's already here working. You don't know what is going on in your coworkers' hearts and minds. You don't know what's going on in your family's hearts and minds. You don't know what God is already speaking to them that they're so timid to tell you. You don't know. But what we do know is that because God has placed you in a position or in a place where there are people who don't know Jesus, God is already tilling the ground. Do you hear me? God is already tilling the ground because he's put you there. So good. There's so many sermons in this thing. So God is always working ahead of us, preparing hearts and minds for a deeper encounter with him. Now, here's what's interesting about Peter as well. Like Peter, you know, again, when we see him in Acts 2, he's preaching, but he's mostly preaching to Hellenistic Jews, right? The Jews that have come to celebrate the Passover, that's who he's preaching to. This is Peter's real first time preaching to Gentiles. But yet he meets them where they are. He doesn't use Old Testament stories. He meets them right where they are, what they know about God. And then he goes on and he says, and we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere (laughs) and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Listen, church, our fourth call to action is to simply testify about who we know Jesus to be. That's it. And who he has called us to be. How many of you in here have a testimony? How many of you have a testimony? You know that who Jesus is to you. 
You know about the hope at the, at the, like in midnight where everything is falling apart. You know about his presence. You know about his healing. You know about his faithfulness. You know about his mercy and his forgiveness. When you repent, he is faithful, right? We know, we know, we know Jesus. So that is all we're called to do is to testify, to testify. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. I cannot imagine this scene. Peter's just sharing his testimony. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just, just like he did in the upper room. Man. He was probably blown away. It says they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Listen, our fifth call to action is to be open to the ways God uses us to demonstrate his power. Right? Peter was preaching, sharing his testimony, and God just did something new. There are times when you're going to be testifying. There are times you're going to be praying for people, and all of a sudden you just feel like, I think we need to pray for this, or I think like this, or you might get a word of knowledge, or there might be something that happens, and the Holy Spirit is breathing his power onto you so that people can know Jesus. Isn't that incredible that he would use us like that? We have to be willing and open to let God use us to demonstrate his power. We don't go looking for it like, God, I'm just going to, you know, I I think I'm going to heal three people today and go, no, it doesn't happen like that. We pray. We testify. We open our mouths. We intentionally make space. And then God does the unexpected. And we move out of the way. That's the next one. I got ahead of myself. So then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. This whole passage has so much theology that we can barely touch the, like the, anything of it. But the beautiful thing about baptism, there's a lot about baptism. That could be a whole other sermon, but not today. So, but here's the deal. The story of the Jewish people has been interwoven with baptism. The flood the first big baptism, right? Right? Really? And then, you know, God's doing a new thing, right? The Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, walking through the water. God was leading them into something new. Joshua and the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. John baptizing Jewish followers into repentance. Philip baptized the eunuch. eunuch. There is so much theology with baptism and the identity of the Jews. But now here in Acts... Not only is there the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the evidence of tongues, but also the traditional act of baptism into community. We get invited both into the new thing, but also into the old story of God's faithfulness to his people. Like, what? That is so beautiful. And I bet Peter would have just rather, you know, now that he's in it, He's there. God is moving. I bet he was like, do I have to go back and tell everybody else what's going on? (laughs) You know, because he has to go back and tell everybody else what's going on. And they weren't too happy about it. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them? They said, as, and then it goes on later. As I, He tells them the whole story about the whole vision and how it all happened. And then he ends, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, get this, ah, who was I to stand in God's way? What? Who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, 
they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Friends, our sixth call to action is to get out of God's way. So much damage has been done in the church over the millennia because we think that when people come to repentance and when they come to walk with Jesus, they look like us. And they have to have their faith expression look exactly like mine. And that is not right. It's not true. When people come to a saving faith in Jesus, they have their own walk with Jesus. They have their own expression to Jesus. They have their own songs. They're written out of their heart to Jesus. They have their own ways of worshiping Jesus. They have their own ways of living out their faith. And we cannot say, well, it doesn't look like me. Right? We can't do it. We can't do it. All over the world, Christian life is lived differently. Even here in our very own city, there are churches centered on Christ who express their faith in drastically different ways. Churches from every nation, they gather here in our city. It's incredible. I walk into a Latino church. Y'all haven't danced until you walk into a Latino church and worship. They have the teams and they have the flags and they have the dancing and the worship goes on. When we were in Colombia, <laughs> worship would last, a, we had three services on a Sunday morning. Worship would last an hour on the front end and a half hour on the back end, and then the teaching was an hour. We were getting to church at 6 in the morning and not leaving until 3. That was church. There are all these different expressions of worship. And what, you know, when we go to the villages in the Amazon, when they have dirt floors, their worship looks so different because it's a cappella. And they're just standing and they're singing the scriptures, and it's beautiful. When I, do you understand what I'm saying? We have to get out of God's way. And let people, you know, a friend who was here, he was like, man, I went to a biker church. He's like, that worship was crazy. That was so my style. You know? Isn't that interesting? There are so many ways of worshiping God, so many ways of living out this Christian faith. Some people are called to witness in a church. Some people are called to minister in a church and to equip the saints and to be like, some of us are called out on the streets. Some of us are called to, to witness to homeless people, to pray for homeless people. Some of us are called to our schools, our public schools, to be lights in those places. We cannot say, if you're a Christian, this is kind of like this ladder that you scale up, and when you're a pastor, you finally made it. That's not true, because we're all walking different ways. We all have different gifts. We all have different things, and we have to get out of each other's way, stop comparing ourselves to others, thinking that our ministry is less than someone else's ministry? What is that? Anyway. So let's go back through our, our point, main points, whatever. Um, so our first point, we have to be a people of prayer. Guys, that is blanket. <laughs> Everybody, we have to be people of prayer. Two, we have to allow God to reorient us to his truth. There is so much depth to the Bible there's so many study guides and translation things. There's so much available to us. We can study and we can reorient ourselves to God's truth because the truth is people take little snippets and think that is God's truth when it's just a little tiny little bit and it's not exactly right. We have to intentionally spend time with the people God puts in our path, believing that God is already working ahead of us. For we have to simply testify about who we know Jesus to be and who he has called us to be. Five, we have to be open to the ways God uses us to demonstrate his power. And six, get out of God's way. Get out of God's way. You will receive my power, it says, when the Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that any kind of cross-cultural community works. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that my cross-cultural marriage works, y'all. Like, it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can learn how to live in community, not comparing ourselves to others, being free to be used by God, to be in the move of the Holy Spirit. It is only through that that it happens. Amen? 
So a few takeaways, because we're going to do some other things, more worship and all things. You know, I can't end without worship. So um, we need to not be afraid of stepping into new situations. Okay? Here's the deal. Peter, his whole role was not to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Who, who, who was responsible for that? Who was responsible for doing that? Yeah, Paul, right? Thanks. I know it's classroom kind of thing. It's all right. So Paul, he was the one. That's who God had called him to do, right? But Peter just simply said, yeah, okay. You tell me three times, I'll do it, <laughs> right? Peter was willing to step into a role that was different. And, you know, Pastor Troy and I were talking this week. Peter really messed up a lot <laughs> with the whole cross-cultural thing. He'd get ashamed when he was with his Gentile friends when the Jews came. And then he'd be like, okay, I'll go back over here. Peter didn't get it right, but he was willing to try. Some of us have, have known God to move in our lives and to use us in a specific way. And I want to challenge you that maybe there's something new that God also wants to do. That God is also asking for your yes in a new way. A new way. Some ways are comfortable. They're easy, right? It's like, I know how to do kids check-in. I know how to do, you know, whatever. But actually, God's asking you to do something else, a different thing, maybe even outside of this building. And we have to be willing to say yes. We have to be willing to obey, to do the new thing, and to fumble and make mistakes and fail and keep trying. How many of you love to fail at something? No one, right? But that's what God asks. He asks for our willingness to try and to step out in something new. And there's, there's, there's some new situations even just here in our own body, right? Here's the deal. I, um, it's kind of funny because I've never really thought about this before because, I've, you know, Colombians are in general very, like, outgoing and extroverted and things and always, like, you know, hanging out after church. I've come to realize there's a lot of introverts here. Like, a lot of y'all are introverts. And you're like, yes, thank you. She acknowledges us, right? But, but, but there are some of you who are introverts. And I've met with a lot of people, like, this past two weeks, meeting with more people. And like, actually, I'm kind of, kind of shy, kind of introverted, which is totally fine. I just don't understand that. <laughs> you know, I'm not that, so I don't understand, you know. But what happens is when we, when we don't realize that there are others among us who might feel awkward about crossing new boundaries and trying new things and stepping into new conversations, we might just think that people are snotty, right? Like, hmm, no one's talking to me. Okay, right? So here, can I just ask you all to be vulnerable for a minute? Can all of the introverts raise your hand? Can, can all of the introverts in here just raise your hand? Like people who just feel awkward starting new conversations being out with other people. Yeah, thank you. Okay, now extroverts, notice. Look around. Introverts, keep your hands really raised high, okay? Because here's the deal. We need each other, okay? We need each other. So extroverts, take note. Look around and be willing, right, to go up to someone at the end of our service or before service and just say, hi. How are you? Can I tell you something kind of sad that I learned a few weeks ago? Oh, you can put your hands down. Thanks, Rachel. You're awesome. Um, you, something that I learned a few weeks ago, there was a couple who came to our church, and for almost five years, very few people ever said hi to them. For five blessed years, really. Right? Ooh, can I say we got to do better? We got to do better, okay? And so we have to be willing, even just in our own body, if we can't do that here, man, how are we going to do it anywhere else? And can I tell you something else? This is what I love about, you know, the sifting that the pandemic did. I really believe that everyone who comes through the doors of this church actually wants to be here. Right? You actually want to be here. And there's a reason you actually want to be here because the truth is you could listen to music at home that is more your style. You could find a preacher that might be more your style of preaching. Right? But you come here because you want community. And you want to be in this room where it happens, right? In the room where it happens, right? We want to be together. And so we can actually be together. Do you hear me? We can be together and we can make those intentional steps even with each other. Right? So 
here's the deal. We all have different gifts. You know, the Gentiles had their gifts that they brought to the body. The Jews had their gifts that they brought in their history with the Lord. And at some point, they just decided, from here, we part ways. It was around year 300. And it was literally called the parting of the ways, where the Jews decided we can't do this anymore. The Gentiles are telling us all these things, and we just, we want, we can't do it. (laughs) We just can't do it. And they chose to walk away. And from that moment on, there have been fractions and fractions. And the Christian walk, we start dividing each other. We start saying, we can't do this together anymore, guys. Like, we just can't. And we choose and pick our battles. We choose and pick our theology. And we just say, I'm not, can't, deuces, out. Like, can't do it anymore. Because it's hard. It is really hard to live in community. This beautiful new thing that Peter and Cornelius experienced at the very, very beginning just didn't last. And I can honestly tell you that I don't know if we were talking about this at staffing this past week, like there have been moves of God and revivals where unity has happened, but it generally doesn't last because I think we still want to get in God's way. And we still want to say, no, actually, this is what God did here. And so this is what God is always going to do. And the moment it starts moving away, uh uh-uh, this is what God is doing, right? But God is always moving. God is always, always doing something new. Always wanting to pour new wine into refreshed wineskins. So what we're going to do, we're going to, um, worship team, if y'all want to come up. I should have told you a few minutes ago. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll stall. Um, but here's the deal. <laughs> we need each other. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit to help us live in community better. Because as we're going to walk into this new season as a church, we just this is more church business, right? This is more family business that needs to be attended to. We actually have to know each other. We actually have to pray for each other. We actually have to just say hi to each other, right? And God is going to do infinitely more than we could ever ask for, think, or imagine. I believe that with all of my being. But we have to make the time and the space, and we have to decide to say yes. We have to be willing to get into uncomfortable situations. We have to be willing to cross borders. We have to be willing, as soon as we start welcoming all the unsafe people that are going to be coming through these doors, we're going to have to be willing to be, you know, common, which isn't true. (laughs) We have to be willing, you guys. It's a new day. It's a new thing. Just what God was doing in Acts, he's doing today. He's calling us into deeper community with each other. He's calling us into a new way of living and relating to one another. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to do it. Because the only way that we can have the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is if we're being filled with the Spirit. That's the only way it happens. And that's the only way true community is reflected in the world. I don't know if you know this, but people don't really trust the church right now. They're not really very trusting of Christians right now. Do you know this? Just me? Okay. I quit social media so because I couldn't handle it anymore. Just like, y'all don't know my real Jesus. Um, but there is something real that God is calling us to. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. We need him. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to just invite you. If you want to just stand for a second. And um, let's just stand together. And Kenzie's going to sing a song just called Fresh Wind. We've sung it a few times already during this act series. But the truth is, guys, that God wants to do something new. He wants to fill us just like we sang about at the very beginning. If we really want more, God will do it. And this is a place where God can do it. And so I just, I felt like just offering like an old school altar call. (laughs) But not necessarily for salvation. But I, I just, you know, Peter walked for 12 hours with, with Cornelius' dudes. And there, there's a walk that we can take out of obedience and out of surrender. And that walk can be up here to the altar. And so I just encourage, if there's anyone who really wants to say, Jesus, you're calling me. Maybe even as I was talking, there were people that you know that God has placed in your path, that God is already working ahead of, and, and you want to just say, yes, Jesus. I'll be intentional with those people. Or maybe, maybe it's just you are rededicating that you're just going to actually create time for Jesus to speak to you. 
Set aside time in your day and your week to hear from the Lord. And your walk up here is just a simple yes, I'll do it. Maybe for some of you, you're holding your ways and your customs and your way of understanding Jesus above maybe even a new thing that God is doing and you just want to say, God, I repent. I'm going to get out of your way and I'm going to let you move how you want to move. And then maybe there are some of you like Cornelius who are being faithful and God invited you into more and it actually involved the Holy Spirit. And so if that's you and you just say, God, I, I'm faithful in my giving, I'm faithful in prayer, but I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want to understand more of what you have for me through the gifts. Then I invite you to come up. And if you don't feel like coming up, that's totally fine. <laughs> you can sit at your seat or stand and, and just, let's all just be in this attitude of worship. But there is a walk, I think, that God is asking some of us to take up to this front. And he wants to do something new in us. So if you're willing, come on up. Come on up. This is my command. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Spirit sound rushing with fire of God fall within Holy Ghost breathe on us we pray as we repent turn from sin revival lips smoldering breath of God fan us into Spirit. 